one parent, two kids, 423 national park sites. This is Expedition National Parks. Dispatches and stories from one family's journey to discover the natural, historical, and cultural treasures of the United States. You can't be what you can't see. So for me, talking about um, diversity, talking about inclusion, sharing my personal journey is the least I can do to inspire and encourage people um, like me to experience the sparks and places. Linda Muhammad, better known as the Bucket List Traveler, is a geology-loving engineer who accomplished her bucket list goal of visiting all national parks in 2019. In honor of May being Asian American, Native Hawaiian, Pacific Islander Heritage Month, I invited her to speak on Clubhouse in the National Parks and World Heritage Sites Club. This episode features excerpts of our conversation. It focuses on our own roots in Asia, as well as the importance of diversity and inclusion, the powerful educational role of the cultural and historical NPS sites, and the importance of volunteer work. It's very special to have the opportunity to um, explore, um, experience all the parks in America so far. Um, as far as my learnings, I mean, some of the obvious ones are just how the landscapes are different geographically from coast to coast. And I didn't realize this until halfway through my National Park Bucket List journey of how we have a lot more of the big parks and lands on the West Coast compared to the East Side and then understanding the history of how, you know, we talk about Boston just now, right, of how U.S. history started in the East and how they were, quote-unquote, giving the land out um, back then so you don't have a lot of federally protected land on the East Side, but as you go West, there's a lot more. Um, protected land like that's part of the history of America that I might not have necessarily learned or understand or care about if I wasn't um, visiting all these parks Um, and even though I started you know first in it for the rocks and the geology and the hikes and the nature what I couldn't avoid and I have to say Sandra has some influence on this is you know the learning the painful history of America. (laughs) Um, I think it's important for the history to be taught and told, but I also struggle at the thought of preservation of these lands and parks and knowing that it's at the cost of indigenous people. But back to the question, geologically and geographically, America is the beautiful, just like um, our annual national park says um, on the past. Yeah, and I, I often see you post about um, the importance of diversity, diversity and inclusion. Um, you know, why do you think that's important? And you know, have you seen successful efforts at at you know bringing underrepresented groups to the parks? Mm-hmm. This is um, this uh, such a good topic. Um, because personally, I love talking about celebrating diversity and then embracing inclusions because um, it helps me connect to my Southeast Asian roots. Because after so many years being in America, I think at first, like, 
as a lot of assimilation that I tried to do. And I think over the years, there's some of that identity that might have been masked or covered. Um, but it is important um, because it provides people with that sense of belonging and acceptance. And I can speak this for everybody, even introverts, as I am one. <laughs> everybody wants to belong to something, family, community, cool kids club, nation, country, outdoor spaces, something. Um, I've lived in California for nine years now and in America as a whole um, as 18 years. But I didn't start spending time outdoors and in the parks until 2016 when I was wanting to stay um, active without you know, spending time in the gym. So I cannot tell you how many times I wish I had started sooner, like enjoying all this park sooner. Um, like way back in Colorado um, in my first six years in America. Uh, but at that time, I remember telling myself, nah, like these are... Like, I don't do this, my people don't do this, there's no white people stuff, to go hiking, rock climbing, camping and whatnot. So I never went, because I haven't seen people like me do all this stuff. Which is funny, because when I started my National Park Bucket List journey in 2016, I actually <laughs> just disregard everybody and the stereotype. Like, at that time, I told myself this is what I wanted to do, and I don't care about anything or anyone else, so I set out to do this on and for my own. But I learned quickly, like the next year when I started gaining some following on Instagram, and you know, people start confiding in me um, that they're seeing me as a representation um, to people of color and women in general. Um, of how they desire to be doing what I'm doing, but they have a lot of hesitations that are holding them back. And a lot of them relate to me as a minority in outdoor spaces. And from then on, I became more intentional when I'm out here experiencing the parks and taking up spaces. Um, because I realized that even though the second time around, I didn't need any sort of representation to, to make me want to go out there. Um, but the younger version of me 15 years ago decided not to spend time outside because I didn't see any representation of my people in the spaces. Um, and just like that saying, right, you can't see, you can't be what you can't see. So for me, talking about um, diversity, talking about inclusion, sharing my personal journey is the least I can do to inspire and encourage people um, like me, to experience the sparks and places. Um, and it's really easy if you've never experienced this before um, because you've been exposed to this your whole life, um, then it's easy to think that they might not be a problem, that the outdoor is for everyone. Nature doesn't care about race or gender. Um, but at the very minimum, you know, what, what we can do is, you know, just because we don't feel that way, um, at the very least, like we shouldn't gaslight people who feel that way, um, that they're unwelcome. Uh, because you know, there's so much complexity and generational traumas or things that we have to overcome or unlearn. Like even for me personally, I didn't grow up uh, spending time in nature, and then now that I'm doing it, my mom is telling me 
I shouldn't do it for my safety or because I will get darker because, you know, in in our culture, like the darker you are, the less um, favorable you are. And it's not just my family, it's, it's also my aunt and extended relatives. You know, every summer I come home after spending the year in America doing all this hiking activities and outdoor stuff and people would ask me, why are you darker? Like as if America doesn't have sun, right? Um, so, so yeah, it's it's really complex. It's you know, it's a lot of the hesitations are things that you may have learned uh, when you're younger. So, if you truly believe that the outdoors for everyone, then the next time you hear people hesitating on visiting parks or going camping, um, you can kindly invite and welcome them to these spaces. You know, build that bridge, and we can meet them in the middle. Um, as far as what um, activities um, that may have been in place to encourage, um, I cannot necessarily pinpoint to any, but I know on my um, side of things, like for the work that I do for Channel Island National Park, being part of the nonprofit organization, um, when I do volunteer trips, um, I always would advertise it and share it on my Instagram account because I know a lot of my followings are uh, minorities in terms of people of color and um, women. So a lot of the people that I have been able to bring on the volunteer trips um, are the minorities. And I have Hispanics and Asians, lots of women too. So um, really it has to be an intentional thing um, at this point that we do, we have to purposely seek out um, and provide opportunities to the minorities and make it available and accessible to them. And now it is time for our outdoor organization feature. During the month of May, we're continuing to work alongside several other outdoor industry and national park-related content creators to feature a non-profit organization. This month's organization is Get Out, Stay Out. Vamos Afuera which is committed to increasing diversity and representation for people of color, especially indigenous youths, within the outdoor industry by ensuring they have opportunities to run, play, and discover themselves in the natural world. They work to allow kids the opportunities to access outdoor recreation in order to, for them to connect with nature and themselves, as well as to increase their self-confidence, leadership skills, or while building community. Follow Get Out Stay Out on Instagram at getout.stayout Please consider a donation to support their work. 100% of your donation will go to youth excursions. Check out their website at vamosafuera.org. We'll also post links in our episode notes. Sandra Ramos, also known as National Park Patch Lady, asked about allyship. I really love how you bring the, the perspective of diversity to your Instagram account. It's not something that I can do as a 50-year-old white woman. Um, you know, though I try to be in, as inclusive as possible, it's just not my... It's not, it's, it's not my voice, right? So, so how, how, if, you know, if there was a way that I could bring that voice to, to helping being more inclusive, um, how would you suggest that that, uh, that could be done? Like bring, how, how, how can I be more inclusive in, in how I approach national parks and making sure that, that I can encourage others to, to enjoy them as well? 
Um, well, since you do travel to a lot of um, the parks, and especially the smaller parks, to I think highlighting the different history behind it um, from a different perspective, I would say, not just from the textbook or from the um, you know colonizer settler uh, point of view. Um, especially in these parks, I think the easiest, uh, I don't want to say easiest, I guess the minimum that we can all do is um, to tell that story of the indigenous people. Um, at least do, at the very least, like the land acknowledgement, but also dig a little bit deeper of all the people's history of that region. And I started doing that, I think, end of 2019, like this, the, 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 the story of Indigenous people, I started reading more into it from parks um, locations, so, which is kind of funny because I, I know what the, engine and the Indigenous people in Yosemite is, but then I was like, oh, I don't know what it is in Bakersfield, where I live, so I feel kind of bad, but it the good thing is like now I'm you know you have this places that you're already visiting and already loving uh, but you're you know you can share the history or the story that might not be told as much um, people go to the parks for the views and the hikes uh, but not many people would really look into the history of the people um, I personally find it somewhat fascinating um even though in the end like you know there's that sad part of things when people are being displaced or uh, being phased out or um killed and whatnot but um at the very least like acknowledging and telling a little bit of their stories uh would help raise awareness and since you do go to a lot of parks that um, other people don't visit, then you're just extending that story even more to your audience, uh, which I think you're already doing in some ways in terms of the park history itself, like, you know, when parks are being, um, uh, being, uh, what's the English word? This happens sometimes um, when English <laughs> is not your first language, yeah. when the park is being created. Um, mm -hmm. So you do that information in tidbits, I think it's extending it a little bit in terms of uh, the people could help. Um, and to be completely honest, like, I, I followed this group on Instagram called Indigenous Women Hike. And then I think two years ago, they start talking more about John Muir and whatnot. And as somebody who loves National Park and somebody who's like volunteered at John Muir National Historic Site, for the first couple of months, like things that they were talking about, which is kind of, you know, the other side of, you know, what John Muir is doing and how it's phasing out the Native people. So at the very first, like, it was so hard for me to want to hear what they have to say because I'm like, no, no, John Muir is the best. <laughs> but um, when I decided to get over my own like personal bias and really read into the history of the indigenous people in each of the parts that I visited, like it actually gave me a lot 
more um, like a deeper appreciation right. of the people and the history and the park. Um, so, so yeah, I think that would definitely help um, not just us in raising our um, awareness and knowledge, but I think it's also a good support of um, the people that have come before us and you know, some of the tribes are still here today. Right. Well, that's helpful. I mean, it's because it always feels awkward, you know, though I try, you know, I I do try to talk about those histories and stuff. And and a lot of parks have so many layers, right? I mean, even, you know, a park like Fort Smith in Arkansas, you know, though it is there because of, of the, you know, the, the, the Western, you know, migration of the, the Europeans that, that, that were settling in America, but, you know, it also, it has so many other layers. It, it does talk about the indigenous uh, tribes that were there before, and it also talks about the segregation of the train station, you know, in the 60s. And so, um, so you know, one of the things I've always tried to do, and one of the things I love about your account is, is you know, talking about um, how it's more than just visiting the park and sort of seeing it and experiencing it for your own self. It's about sort of learning that history and engaging with that history. But it always feels awkward to me because it's like, well, how can I talk about, you know, uh, issues of indigenous people or um, Asian American people or, or whoever um, as a white woman? And so it, so that really helps a lot that, you know, that, you know, it's okay to have those conversations as from my perspective and, and talk about those and encourage others to learn about them as well. Absolutely. I think, um, even your role as um, educator, in a way, once you share informations and facts, and you know the story goes farther away from the park brochure or website um, that you just read, and that's that's a really good way to spread information. And I have to say, like the parks in Florida are surprisingly like they're really good at um embracing and sharing the story of the native people just from a basic level like if you go and read the the post um at the park itself so um like the DeSoto <laughs> all the all the um human cutout of the Native folks. At mm-hmm. first, it kind of creeped me out because it's really like human. <laughs> it's really creepy at this level. Oh my gosh! Yeah, but you know, I'm I'm glad that as as painful the, as the history is, like they still kind of try to uh, put it in somewhat of a truth story. Um, that hey, this is the person who do the killing. This is the person that got killed, asleep, enslaved. Um, so. So yeah, right. Good job, Florida. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there's a great there's a great PBS documentary about the national parks in Florida or the history of Florida or something, but it goes through a lot of the national park stuff. And they talk about how when Florida was settled by the Spanish, I mean, it really was a multicultural society. And then, you know, you had the the Europeans come in from the north, you know, settling in Georgia and stuff and trying to to sort of to make sure that that didn't happen. Um, and so, yeah, Florida does really, a really good job about that kind of stuff. And the, and the other park 
I'll never forget. So I've been to Manzanar, um, you know, to learn about the internment. Um, and, and it was powerful and it was amazing. But I'll, but I'll never forget when I went to Minidoka in Idaho. And it was the first time that I read an interpretive sign that basically spelled it out. It was just like, we were jailed. We were, you know, incarcerated, and this is what this is. And I was like, wow, this is the first time I see the National Park Service actually calling it out for what it is, as opposed to sort of, you know, being really delicate um, about the story. And so I really appreciated that. So if you ever have a chance to go to Minidoka, it's it's mm-hmm. really powerful. And, you know, and they have a whole big setup that says words matter. And, you know, they talk about mm-hmm. how how you describe a scenario in history matters, yeah, and Fort Pulaski, a couple of weeks ago, I went, and kind of a similar thing. I didn't expect it, but they talked about how words matter, and they talk about the experiences from the enslaved point of view, and that was impressive. Like, I'm so happy that they did that narrative. While Linda started with the National Park designated sites, she also visits and appreciates the historic and cultural sites. It wasn't, it wasn't. It was in a tough decision living in California because there's so many of them. The closest one to me is uh, the Cesar Chavez uh, National Monument or Memorial. Um, it's only half an hour away from Bakersfield. But I have to say it's definitely a personal evolution as a person uh, from, you know, silo, only wanting to care about landscapes and geology and rocks to to, in a way, like, kind of forcing myself to broaden that horizon. And I have to say, like, being on Instagram, too, definitely helps seeing different perspective. Like, I know Sandra as the <clears throat> historical park person. So it's, you know, there's a little bit of that influencing going on. And there's another friend who's also into historical park. So... I would say I definitely enjoy the smaller parks with history, but I have yet to, um, you know, embrace the battlefield just yet. Um, I don't think I've been to any, and not that I pick and choose. Usually, like, wherever I'm at or I'm passing, I will make sure to stop by the parks and get what I can get from my time there. Um, but some of this um, historical parks, it's it's very um, it's definitely making me a more informed person, and I think it really helps in you know raising my own awareness and sharing that with people on Instagram too. Like you know, small small park matters as well because they pack a lot of. History and I know Sandra mentioned earlier about Manzanar and Minidoka. Like some of the smaller parks will bring you that emotional aspect of things that you might not necessarily get from the big parks because the focus are different. Um, the one in terms of Asian history that really um, moved me is the one further north. Um, I forgot, is it California or Oregon, the Tule Lake? Um, Northern California. Yeah, that one, uh, that one, I just cannot imagine, like, being in the middle of nowhere, um, so isolated, and to be 
jail essentially and even Manzanora too like when the summer is really hot and the winter is really cold um, and seeing the the space that they had to live um, in the living conditions so a lot of that um, as painful as it is I think it's so important that the parks are telling the story with us so that we don't repeat um, some of this mistakes and even for me as Southeast Asian that was born and raised in Asia country, like there's a lot of things about America and history that I don't understand. So visiting these parks definitely helped give me that different layer and perspective because sometimes it's hard to understand what's going on today when you don't know what to place um, before even things like you know, model minority myth that in a way I'm kind of subjected to, but never knew um, what caused it and how it's being used against people. So um, I have to say, um, going beyond the big parks definitely helped deepen my understanding and raise awareness. And I feel like it'll probably help me too whenever I take the citizenship test <laughs> to know some of this history but to gain that knowledge um, from from a very um, I guess joyful experience from visiting these parks even in Hawaii right the other part of this heritage minus the Pacific um, Islander native side of things even you know I always thought Hawaii as this fun luxurious place to visit but you know once you start going into the smaller parks too um and understanding that history and how they got colonized and oh how yeah it's yeah it's 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 painful but also so necessary and i had no idea uh, of the history had i not been to all these parks and places so it's a fun classroom, I would say, in a way. Like, you learn horrible stuff, but <laughs> it's still um, educational and informational in that way. I also asked about her volunteer work with the Channel Islands Park Foundation. Well, I, first of all, um, Linda, congratulations um, on on your, I think you've been elected vice president. Is that correct, of the board? Yeah. Well, that's huge. And can you tell us more about uh, your work uh, with, with the foundation and, um, you know, why you think um, doing such work is important? And if, if you have suggestions on how others can get involved in similar work? That's funny you uh, mentioned that because I didn't realize how big or important this is until when I posted on Instagram and people were congratulating me. Um, so thank you for um, uh, bringing up this question. Um as far as how I become involved, it was a mix of an opportunity that presented itself, but also I got voluntold. Um, the incoming chair that year is the father to one of the National Park Geek Ambassador, Tigran. Um, so he invited me to Anacapa Island to do a volunteer project. We were transferring baby native plants. And at the end of the day, he told me his real plan is to recruit me on board to become a membership chair to the organization and it was a perfect opportunity because earlier that year in 2017 
I started volunteering at the John Muir National Historic Site um, in the Bay Area. And I finished the 20-something California National Park sites um, in 2016. And after that, I felt so compelled to give back to National Park Service because I felt like my life that year was changed and fulfilled so significantly by the experience um, that I've gained throughout, you know, experiencing all these parks and that healing and you know, all the good stuff, all the benefits that I got from from um, this park. So having that opportunity to give back to National Park Service from this position is more of a leadership active role through the nonprofit partnership. Um, it it not only gives me that space to give back, but also I'm in the space where I can provide similar opportunities to others. Um, so all these friends on Instagram who love the parks and wants to give back, but they might not necessarily be able to volunteer <clears throat> regularly. So having all this one-off volunteer projects and making it available to them, um, we get to share this experience, spread our um, opportunity and love for the parks and giving back. So in 2018, um, four separate trips, um, I was able to bring about 30 volunteers on the island. Um, and now this summer, we have um, a couple more projects to do trail building and campground building um, that I'll be seeking um, volunteers for. So as far as um, giving back, um, I know people have different ways um, to show love and give back to the parks. You know, some people prefer to do the monetary way, which is helpful. Um, I also like to sign up for the nonprofits for some of the parks that I visited that I feel so connected to um, and pay whatever annual fee, the $20, 30 $40. Uh, but personally for me, giving back in terms of time um, uh, is more meaningful. Um, to me because I felt like I get to spend more time um, at the parks and make new friends and also in my position right now ha having the opportunity to intentionally share and, and invite more national park lovers to come volunteer and experience this side of things. Um, it's funny because the first project that I brought people in we actually had to pull wheat on Anacapa Island in preparation to put the baby plants in. But for our portion of the day, all we get to do is pull weeds. Um, but it was funny because one of the volunteer uh, who now becomes like my really uh, good friend um, when it comes to national park, he said he would never pull weed in his backyard. But here he is enjoying his time pulling weeds on Anacapa Island in a national park with, you know, the views and uh, it's full circle because now that I'm vice president, I'm actually recruiting him to become a board member in this nonprofit organization. 
because um, he feels so connected to Shanna Island from that volunteer experience. Um, so yeah, I think that's one of a good way to recruit people, <laughs> get them hooked and then reel them in. To learn more about the work of the Channel Islands Park Foundation, check out ciparkfoundation.org. And of course, follow Linda on Instagram on at the bucket list traveler. Special thanks to her for giving us her time, as well as to Sandra, Danielle, Erica, David, and Gary for their active participation. Thanks for listening. Again, please remember to check out and support Vamos Afuera, Get Out, Stay Out. You can find more info on our episode page. We would love your feedback. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or message us on our social media accounts. We are Expedition National Parks on Facebook and Instagram and Expedition NPS on Twitter. Thanks to Jason Shaw for the music. And as always, follow the inspiration of the Junior Ranger motto, keep exploring, learning, and protecting. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.